And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined again this week by Electrex publisher, Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. And this is actually a special episode this week because we are sponsored by Turn Bicycles. Can you tell me a little more about that, Seth? Yeah, it's just so Turn Bicycles, uh, one of our favorite uh, bike companies, uh, is sponsoring not only uh, the podcast, but also our coverage of Eurobike, which we're about, I'm about to leave on my trek there, but uh, it starts next week. Um, Turn recently released the Quick Haul, and we also are big fans of the uh, NBD, or I think it's officially no big deal, but they're a uh, little N- NBD bike that we covered recently. So we'll talk more about that at, later in the show. Okay, awesome. So yeah, we've got a pile of interesting stories to talk about today, Turn and others included. Uh, just off the top here, we've got a uh, an interesting story about Amazon switching some of their delivery vans to electric cargo bikes. There's also a new um, electric bike transmission from motor maker Bafang. We did a review of the Ride One Up Prodigy XR e-bike, which is a really cool uh, low-cost mid-drive e-bike with a Broza motor. We're going to talk about a newly released Hanbike U4 e-bike that just looks wild. Uh, let's see what else. We've got Turn coming up, of course, uh, but we're also going to be talking about an opinion post that we wrote about how electric bicycle companies should really start incorporating USB-C charging, and we're going to tell you why. There's also a new electric scooter on the smaller two-wheeled EV front that's made by a European company, Ica. We're going to talk about the Saunders Metacycle, which is apparently close to shipping, though it's a little bit ambiguous. And for those that want to get uh, somewhere between a uh, a car and an e-bike, we're going to talk about electric scooters as sort of a um, smaller form factor than a car, but perhaps better than a bike for people that want to feel like they've got a little more power under them. And last but not least, if you want to go a little bit closer to the car end, we're going to talk about Moke America's new street-legal low-speed vehicles, which are four-wheelers, but they're not really cars. So, so some interesting things. But where are we going to start here today, Seth? All right. Let's start with uh, Amazon to use walking electric cargo bikes to replace thousands of van deliveries. Right. So right off the bat, I think we have to qualify what type of electric bike this is. You know, we call these electric cargo bikes, but really these are four-wheeled pedaling electric vehicles, often called quadricycles in some countries. And so in a way, it, it is an electric bike because, you know, it's got handlebars, pedals, a bicycle seat, and a mid-drive motor. But it really looks like someone took one of those Amazon vans and just, like, shrunk it down into, like, a fifth-scale little mini e-van. So this is a, a really cool way that, that Amazon is trying to replace some of these larger vans. And I think it just makes so much sense for crowded urban areas because, you know, the whole point is that in a lot of places, think, you know, New York City, for an example, there's just no space for these giant vans. You see them parked in bike lanes, you know, double parked in the road, and it just doesn't work in crowded urban centers. So if you can take something that's basically the width of just a, you know, a wide bike, maybe, you know, the width of handlebars, and it's got a big cargo box on back, and you can have one person pedal it around with electric assist, then you're just taking up so much less space. Obviously, Amazon needs to have more of these to replace a single truck. But what a lot of delivery companies do is they have sort of these mobile hubs where they might have a truck parked somewhere out of the way in a city. And then you've just got four or five of these sort of mini little pedal electric quadricycles that go back to home base, load up on packages, 
and go and can basically continue their um, package delivery. So to me, this is like the best way that you could have delivery vehicles in a city is by just shrinking them down into something that's not that much bigger than a bike. I mean, can you see this working, Seth? Yeah, you know, um, I automatically go to my time in New York City as like my city experience. And these would be fantastic. Uh, We had a UPS driver that would just get a ticket. He would just park way just on the sidewalk blocking like not just part of the road but part of the walking area and of course part of the biking area and he'd just be like look there's nowhere else i can park and they just eat a ticket every day uh just to park where they parked so they could deliver to our block um so uh this would be perfect for that and i'm i'm assuming that's probably pretty common around you know major cities so this makes a lot of sense. I always wonder, like, it's really nice that it has a cover for the, you know, the rider. But I always wonder, like, you know, does this eliminate people who aren't in, like, you know, some of the UPS drivers are, you know, most of them are pretty healthy, actually. But some of them less healthy. I wonder if, uh, you know, you have to have a certain health level to pedal this bike around that maybe not all uh, UPS people or Amazon delivery people in this case um are you know are are that fit or maybe they become that fit actually you know by riding these around what do you think about that yeah that, that's a good point yeah i mean on the one hand it does eliminate some people that wouldn't be you know fit enough though of course because it's got an electric bike uh mid-drive motor it's, it's going to help you a bit but i've also uh seen in the comments someone mentioned that you know it's it's a bit of an issue for disabled drivers that might be able to operate a van but right. not one of these and so they're there certainly is that barrier there, though I think that these are never going to, you know, obviously totally replace vans. And in the same way for uh, mail carriers, you know, there are walking mail routes and someone who's not fit enough simply wouldn't, right. you know, use a, wouldn't be, you know, applicable to a, a walking mail route. So I think it'd be, you know, a similar situation where among the Amazon drivers, if you're fit enough, then you sort of qualify for this vehicle. Yeah. And I, I guess like if you were uh, officially disabled, like there would be no problem just having a throttle option. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, or version. I mean, um, yeah, that, that would be easy to do. I mean, it's just a, a little bit of hardware. And right. that would certainly make it a more fun vehicle. For sure. Well, these are great to see around. I, I know DHL's got their own thing going. Um, I know UPS has some stuff. So it's definitely the way the world's going right now. Um, absolutely. Let, let's talk about uh, electric bike motor maker Bafang, which is the biggest, I think, out of China. Uh, out there, and they have a new three-speed automatic shifting hub transmission. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, when I first saw this news, I was like, oh, cool, a motor with a three-speed internally geared hub. So it's not actually a motor, unfortunately. It is just the hub, which is interesting, though, because we had speculated that Bafang would eventually get into making transmission parts because we know that their motors can sometimes be tough on transmissions. Right. But uh, this isn't quite as robust as we were expecting. This is still meant for, you know, modest power mid-drives. But what we have here is still an interesting piece of kit. It's still an automatic, uh, automatic shifting, three-speed internally geared hub. It's designed either for belt or chain drive. And so you could put it on a lot of different bikes and you could even put it on a non-electric bike. It doesn't, you know, require a motor, but that's where it's really going to shine mm-hmm. because it does basically, um, you know, tie into the motor, it reads the the speed that you're going, the cadence you're pedaling, 
and it will automatically shift for you with those shift, shift points being adjustable. And so, you know, on some of these nicer bikes that we've tried, like um, the uh, Harley Davidson's Serial One bikes that have automatic shifting, um, Turns bikes have automatic shifting on the nicer ones. It can be a really cool feature, especially when, uh, you know, it shifts down for you at a stop and you're not like left in high gear kind of thing. Yeah. So as long as they get those shift points right and they can really dial it in, then I could see this being a really cool piece of kit. Though that is sort of the the tricky part is making sure that it's like a value added thing. It's really shifting smartly and it's not holding you back. And you're like, oh, why is it lugging kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to try it. When do when do these hit the streets, do you know? I'm not sure yet. Uh, the Fang isn't the, the quickest at putting out a lot of their products. So it could be a little while and before these are out there. Um, but I, I will definitely be interested just like you to, to get some time on one of these and see what they've done. And if, you know, a motor maker can really make a good transmission. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you think about it, like a hub motor has kind of a transmission, you know, as long as the geared hub motor does and Bafang obviously knows how to do that. I wonder, you know, is this going to see like when I reviewed the, uh, the Luna eclipse, I was like, you know, it's fantastic for going from like 10 to 15 miles per hour. But like, after 15 miles per hour, you're starting, the cadence starts to go way up. And, you know, is there a way to have like a, even three gears would be enough for that. Um, I wonder if Bafang is thinking, all right, we're going to put this inside a motor and selling it as a three speed, you know, human gear and variable internal geared motor. You think that's something, I mean, is that, that are, can, can this be applied to that or? I think yeah, definitely. No, no. I mean, what, what you're talking about is doable. And in fact, the Fang has rolled out a design for a two-speed hub motor. So it's got its own um, you know, automatic gear in there. And so mm-hmm. that's a little bit simpler. I think this is going to be a more complicated design. But theoretically, I could see them rolling that all together. So um, what you're describing isn't like you know a pie-in-the-sky idea at all. I can see them doing that. Yeah, I mean, that's really where we need to go on those you know, those, uh, belt drive bikes that have, uh, a rear hub motor, like you can't really just have one gear, uh, unless, you know, I mean, obviously you can have like the, the, those, uh, hubs in the back. If the, if it's a mid drive, um, just like this one, I, I think this was probably built for mid drives. Although it, what did you say? 80 nan- nanometers of torque. That's, um, bit. yeah, I think it's rated for up to 80 newton meters. So that's, you know, pretty powerful you know most of your bosch and bros on those motors but definitely not the fangs higher right. power motors right yeah what is the uh bb shd or whatever put out is that 80 i, I think it's 160 oh uh, okay SHD, yeah. yeah all right so not even close all right well yeah there's a lot of opportunity here uh i would love to see but fang seems to be the you know kind of out there Whereas the Boshes and Roses of the world uh, seem to be kind of in their own little, like, let's do another 250 watt motor. Um, So that'll be interesting to see. All right, moving on. Uh, The best mid-drive electric bike on a budget. Ride one up Prodigy XR e-bike review. Yeah, I like this one, especially the Brosa motor here. Yeah, I was going to say, this one's right up your alley as a Broza fanboy, so you're going to like this one. This is, I think, 
the most affordable Broza powered e-bike on the market right now. If anyone knows one that's lower priced than this at uh, $2,300, let me know. But as far as I can tell, this is essentially the cheapest option, though the bike is by no means a cheap bike in that it's got a lot of great parts. It's got that uh, nine-speed Shimano Olivio. It's got an integrated battery. Um, this specific model has a rigid fork, which is actually quite nice, but for $100 more, you can get the sort of trail mountain bike version with a suspension fork. Got the hydraulic disc brakes. I mean, this is very much a a mid-tier commuter bike, you know, not like a specialized or anything, but not a an entry-level bike either. And so for $2,300, you're getting a very nice urban style electric bike here, something that you could use for commuting purposes, for, you know, grocery getting. It's got that beautiful rear rack there that's got a, a beautiful taillight built into it. I mean, they, they really did a nice job with this bike, you know, included fenders, um, included lights. Like it's, it was really hard for me to find something to complain about here. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, a bit heavy when you compare it to some of the lighter European bikes, 50 pounds isn't actually bad for electric bikes, but you know, if you compare it to like a, a specialized turbo SL, which is their like super light lineup, you know, you're carrying around an extra 10 pounds or so. So, right. You know, there's a, a little bit of give and take here. Um, it's also a um, direct-to-consumer company. You know, Ride One Up, big fan of them. But, you know, it's not like there's a, a bike shop in every town where you can take it in for service. If you have a local e-bike shop or, you know, your your bike shop works on e-bikes, that's great. But you don't get the dealer network of like a Trek or a Specialized, that sort of thing. But if you can, you know, give up a few of those niceties that you get with these bigger companies and their $4,000 bikes... And you can get a nearly comparable quality bike, I would say, for you know fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars less. So to me, that's really the big selling point here: is you get the really nice German motor, you get the the high performance, you know, the class three, twenty eight miles an hour, but it comes in at just such a reasonable price for those components. And and really, that's what is has so impressed me by this model. I mean, what do you think of everything you're getting here? All right, so this is like my perfect. Like if I spec'd out a bike for my commute, this would be it. Like I, w- I was just trying to think, like what would I do differently? I mean, I'm kind of looking at that rack and think- thinking to myself, it it looks a little like it only has one thing down to the, um, you know, the back sprocket area. I wonder if like they could have made that a little bit more reinforced and you could put more weight on it. But like that's that's an edge case. Um, you know, maybe like I, would a belt drive with a with a hub on the back be better? I don't know. I think this is probably pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, this is this I is mean, basically what I would spec out if you know. And and basically, my favorite bike ever uh, is a 2017 um, Rally Redux IE, which spec wise is very similar to this. Um, so the only thing is, you know, maybe I don't need the. Uh, oh, I, li- I like everything. I was going to say, I don't need the wheel covers or the the. It was the splash fenders. fenders yeah uh but i do actually like so, sometimes i get to the coffee shop and my shirt's all dirty and stuff so i don't know this is yeah. kind of like the perfect bike and these are commuting. full metal fenders too these aren't even like your cheap you know plasticky fenders that they throw on there to sort of check the box like yeah. they really you know put in in the right components here i mean like you're saying with the belt drive and the um uh you know internally geared rear hub if they had that it would be like you know, like trying to worship this bike. Right. But it would also be like 
a thousand dollars more expensive probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can compare it to my uh, priority current bike, which is like similar spec in terms of performance and parts, except that it does have the uh, Gates belt drive and it has a um, new Vinci or I guess Enviolo now uh, internally geared hub. And that one, when I bought it, it was 2700 Now the price is up to like 3300 Right. But, you know, I mean, that's $1,000 more. And you're actually getting a probably lower quality motor. It's a, you know, truck run motor. So it's a, an Asian manufacturer. It's fine motor, but it's not a Broza. So wait, truck run um, is, you know, that's you, not the one that was bought by Porsche, was it? Um, and that was a Fazua. I think. Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, which is also, a, I believe a German company. Right. So, um, you know, I mean like dollar per, per, you know, pound or whatever you, you mm-hmm. measure a bike by, like, this is just such high value, I would say, for anyone that wants to get, you know, closer to a bike shop e-bike, you know, like a Trek, a Giant, a uh, Specialized, whatever, but they can't afford a $4,000 bike. This right. like, gets you pretty darn close, I would say. Yeah. And what I really love about the Broza motor is like you get exercise, like you're pedaling, but it doesn't feel like you're getting, you don't hear like the, and you know, you don't feel like the the jerkiness. It's kind of just like, you know, sometimes I look down and I'm like, is this thing even on right now? When I'm talking, you know, I'm talking about my 2017 uh, Rosa bike. And I'm like, well, I'm going 25 miles per hour up a hill. It's probably on, you know, like, <laughs> I don't think I'm doing that by myself. And it's uh, interesting. Also, uh, we're looking right now at the uh, the mountain bike version. Um, what do you think about that with the, um, you, you know, it's an extra 100, 100 bucks for the mountain bike kit yeah or, yeah 100 that, bucks that's a pretty good deal you get those nice maxis tires and you get uh you know the, the, the suspension fork too yeah it's a big big uh a lot of i don't know what is that like three inches of uh yeah at there? least i think um i mean it's i don't recall the the trap off the top of my head but it's uh Looks I mean, if you do trail riding then that would be a, a great, you know, hardtail bike. You give up the fenders, which you don't really need as for a trail bike. You know, you go out there knowing you'll get dirty, but you get a great motor um, and that suspension fork in an otherwise, you know, like solid bike. So again, you know, 2300 uh, or I guess 2400 for the uh, XR version or XC rather. Um, and you've got a, a great, you know, trail bike that you can ride all day and and is built well and is going to give you that, uh, higher performance torque sensing mid drive motor experience compared to a you know cadence sensor on a hub motor bike, which is fine if that's what you're starting with. But once you try a nicer torque sensing mid drive motor, it's it's kind of hard to go back to a, an entry level bike. Yeah, I just uh, I can't believe how close to my preferences. Like even the seat looks like a good seat. Like just ev- there's nothing really to complain about here. Like uh, I would be BSing if I was like, oh, I don't like, you know, I don't like really good brakes. You know, like <laughs> there's like literally everything on here is nice. Yeah. The, the one thing that now that I'm looking at the pictures that uh-huh. might have made it just a little higher quality is if the fork had a um, through axle instead of the uh, like. Oh, skewer. yeah. Okay. So that would, you know, just made it a little more rugged. But I mean, I think most people are buying this as a, you know, simple commuter bike and. While that, you know, would certainly make it a, a more robust bike, you know, you could hit some crazy pothole at 20 miles an hour and your your axle will be fine. Probably for most people, those quickly skewers are still going to be strong enough. 
Um, and how many piston hydraulics are these? Um, that's like two opposed. So it's a dual piston, but it's like the single, you know, set of pads. It's not the okay. dual set of pads for the quad piston. All right. I guess we could kind of complain about that. I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, at a certain it's point, a it's like diminishing returns. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, all these things would jack up the price that were, you know, like the belt drive is not cheap. Neither is the uh, better brakes. And this is all going to be fantastic. All right. Yeah, all right. We got to stop gloating on this thing <laughs> too much right now. Yeah, definitely. All right. Moving on. Um, and that is the best mid drive electric bike on a budget, I think. Um, so this is, I love this company. Uh, the new belt drive Han bike U4 electric bike looks so good. You'd think it was purely a pedal bike. Yeah. So, I mean, can you even see a motor or battery on this thing? Like I yeah. don't see one, right? Yeah. It's like, this looks beautiful. Yeah. Han bike, like surprisingly, you know, it sounds like, you know, a, Ch- a Chinese company that, you know, might not be, you know, innovating, but all their stuff is really cool. So yeah, part of that might be because they're actually a Japanese company. We don't see too many Japanese e-bikes, but mm-hmm. this is one of them. And so um, just below there is the the video that we did for their first model, which is a folding version. And also it's got this like kind of cool origami style to it. But now their new U4, it takes some of those same like design points. You know, you've got the really cool mag wheels, but it does a, a new frame. It's not a folder anymore, but it's got this sort of modified X frame super minimalist like i mean it looks like they basically took two round pieces of tubing and welded them together and made a bike out of it it's just so minimalist sleek and it's like what van moof would be if they cut off half the frame tubes right yeah and i look at this like triangle thing that they did and i'm like well isn't the bike seat going to be off like because you have this thing and then you have the bike seat on the outside but actually this tube so i don't know if you guys sort of see the arrow but this tube goes out because it has to go around the outside of this bike. So it's kind of like on an angle. So like then the seat post is in the middle and then this, you know, the low bar is on the outside. So it just, it's just a really interesting uh, design. I, I, and, and sorry about the Chinese Japanese mix up Han, I think, you know, Han Chinese, but it's H A N. So my bad there, but, uh, what a what a sweet looking bike and good news uh it's going to be at Eurobike so we're going to get to check it out. Yeah, and this is what I'm going to need to see in person because just like mm-hmm. you were saying like I'm trying to wrap my mind around how these tubes work and it's right. almost like in like an Escher painting that like right. I feel like it shouldn't work. Right. Yeah. I I almost wish there was like a top down version of the you know the image that we could kind of see like where do these tubes actually go around the seat post and that thing i think it's i think it works pretty well i don't know we'll have to see in person but um i love the design and uh to answer the question you posed earlier like where are the batteries stored it's like in that main tube it looks like pretty big batteries from this probably 21 uh 2180s 2170s. It almost looks like those new, um, those Tesla like 4160s. Right, those thick ones. With the proportion. Yeah, they're just D cells, probably. <laughs> it's like a mag light. Yeah. Right, a big mag light. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way of the future. Like, I think eventually that's just how things are going to be, and hopefully you can uh, pull the 
the batteries out once they're dead and, and put some new ones in. You don't have to like crack the, you know, crack the bike in half to change the batteries. Um, but I think, you know, not ha- like, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of bikes are going to have this kind of design. A lot more. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just picturing cracking the bike in half to get the batteries. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, we'll see how they, they replace those. Like, um, what's, what's the one? Uh, I think Van Move, right? They have similar idea and they you can take the battery out but or no only a bike shop can take the batteries out or something like that they had yeah this one i'm guessing that the the method would be you take the steering tube out and then they slide out the front where the headlight is but okay i mean that's a a wild guess at this point until we can see this thing yeah that's also interesting because the 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 bar goes or that tube goes to the right of the rear uh wheel so does that put weight on the right side of the bike because you know batteries are obviously the heavy part well it'll be interesting to see that that's a it's an interesting bike right there yeah stay tuned everyone yeah we'll, we'll have oh all right so uh next story is uh our sponsor turn um they have the nbd as the latest high quality urban electric bike small in size big in features So, yeah, the NBD, this is a cool one because it's designed to be basically the most uh, accessible turn bike yet. If you don't know who turn is, they make uh, a variety of bikes, but most of them center around like small format cargo bikes. So the idea is that you could carry a couple of kids on there or like a week's worth of groceries, but yet it's not a massive cargo bike. It's still something that fits easily in an apartment and basically takes up the same space as a you know typical bike and part of how they do that is with smaller wheels 20 inch wheels they've got um, their own cool rack system that they've developed that gives you a lot of real estate behind the bike and also lets you park it on its tail you know sticking up like a, a coat rack or something and so they've taken that same concept and with the nbd they've made it even more accessible so it's a low step through design which they haven't really done before um, you know, their other bikes are fairly low, but this one makes it even easier to step through. But it still retains a lot of, you know, what we know and love about turn. You still have that Bosch motor. You still have the, um, you know, internally geared rear hubs. You still have a huge weight rating, which in this case, it's 140 kilos or, or 308 pounds. Um, and yet it's it's a pretty lightweight bike at 44 pounds, especially wow. considering it's designed for cargo. You know, if you look at like a, a Radwagon 4 or something, I think it's like... 80 pounds maybe right like, double you know, this is maybe half of that yeah so it's and, um you know they they really know what they're doing when it comes to cargo bikes that don't feel like cargo bikes yeah and turns bikes are always like super like i, I don't want to say over engineered but they're they just feel like they could just take tons and tons of weight and they're so stiff and like it just feels like such good quality and it's always like yes they're expensive because you know they're really done well and people, you know, there's always that YouTube comment who's like, oh, it's $4,500. Like, I could buy a car for that. You know, like, there's always that comment. But, like, this is a really high-quality bike. And turn bikes are always really high-quality. So, you know, there's a, there's people who like really high-quality stuff and will pay a little bit more for it. I think that's kind of the, the market here. Yeah, and this is like, you know, you're right that people would say, well, I can buy a car for that. But the point of this bike is you don't need to buy a car. Right. Like you could ride this 
you know, several hours a day, every day, you can basically use it like a commercial vehicle almost. It's not, you know, just designed for weekend rides. This is a full car replacing kind of bike. Yeah. And um, you're absolutely right about, you know, it's, it's built to a different standard. And in fact, I think Turn was one of the first companies to actually certify their uh, bikes to a new German uh, cargo bike standard for, um, you know, ensuring that it can support the weight and also has, you know, components like brakes and stuff that can stop 300, 400 pounds of weight because, you know, it's not just having a, a strong enough frame. It's about having components that can you know, get it up to speed, bring it back down to speed and aren't going to wear out under the the weight rating that it's given. So, you know, it's, it's really designed to be something that goes above and beyond, which is reflected in the pricing. Um, you know, four and a half thousand dollars is not a cheap e-bike by any stretch of the imagination, though they, they do have a more entry level model that's in the high three thousands, I think. And that mm-hmm. has, you know, a chain drive. So you don't get the belt drive, that sort of thing. But, you know, still just everything else about the bike is built to, to a higher, higher standard. And, and that's really the point here. Yeah. And so um, I notice also, it, you know, the, there's a very low center of gravity. All the stuff is kind of like below the rider's knees kind of thing. Um, so that makes it really easy to get on and off. Uh, you know, it's easy to step over. It's easy to kind of just, you know, it, it kind of gives you confidence in a way that, um, you know, bigger bikes are a little bit more or, you know, less wieldy, I guess. And then of course, uh, turn, you know, you, you lower the seat and you, you, uh, flip the, uh, the handlebars down and it's really easy to get into like the back of a car. I think. We yeah, absolutely. That. I mean, these are just between like the, the drop down bars and the rear parking. It's like, this thing will just fit anywhere, you know, like I, I, I still love the fact that it stands up to park it, you know, yeah, like, those what are... other bike can park in like two square feet. Right. And that's great for people in apartments and, and all that other stuff as well. Yeah. And I think all of their bikes do that. I think it's, you know, like a, a turn thing. Yeah. Um, in fact, speaking of their other bikes, they, um, this one, unfortunately won't be here for a while. It's coming out in early 2023. But they also un, uh, unveiled and have launched the Quick Haul, which is not quite as nice as the NBD. You know, it's designed to be more affordable. Um, I don't recall the exact price off the top of my head, but it's definitely a lot less than the NBD. And it's uh, another sort of, you know, small cargo style e-bike. But that one we're also going to see at Eurobike. And that one will be on the market uh, before the NBD as well. So it's cool to just see that in this sort of, you know, interesting niche of small but powerful e-bikes with a lot of utility. They've got just so much variety. Yeah. I, lo- I always love turn bikes. They're, it's just like such a great experience. All right. Let's move on here. Uh, all right. This this one's after my own art, heart here. Listen up, e-bike companies. You need to give your e-bike batteries USB-C charging stat. 100%. Like I'm looking around my desk right now and I see like four USB-C cables. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's no reason that everything in my life except my electric bike should charge with USB-C. It's the closest thing we have to a uni- universal standard. And in fact, Europe is already going that way, you know, making tech companies charge everything by USB-C. So, yep. And we think the iPhone next year is going to be USB-C. Yeah, exactly. So like it's, it's the way of the future. It just makes things better for consumers. It probably eventually makes things better for companies with the exception of their profits. 
you know, at least it streamlines their, um, you know, production. So it's high time that it came to electric bikes. And, you know, in the beginning, it was like, all right, you're limited to 100 watts. That's not terribly fast. But at the same time, if you consider that most 48 volt e-bikes come with a two amp charger out of the box, right. 48 times two, that's, you know, right under 100 watts right there. So right. doable with 100 watts. But there's also the latest USB-C protocol that goes up to, I want to say 240 watts. Right. So yeah. we could be looking at an even higher power charging there. And yeah, 240, even if you, you don't even need to include the barrel thing if uh, or whatever charger. Two and two forty seems like you're you're done. Yeah, even the highest power e-bike chargers, you know, sometimes we'll get like a four or like wow, a five amp charger. Those I think go up to about 240, 250 watts. So that's really all you need. Yeah, so and that'd be fantastic because you can charge your MacBook and you can charge your bike from the same you know, or your bike battery um, from the same charger and you know, theoretically, somebody at your work has a USB charger when you forgot to bring it with your e-bike. And, you know, you can use your e-bike charger to charge up your MacBook, even your phone in the future. It's it's kind of like a no-brainer. But what's kind of even more interesting about that is then you start to get like, all right, well, if it's got USB in, why not USB out? Like the the part that kind of does that can't you know it's a few bucks more but then you get like such a great utility like you you know you could probably power your iphone or your ipad for you know 30 40 50 charges with a huge e-bike battery yeah absolutely i mean some e-bike batteries have a usb a port and i've even heard about you know after hurricanes and stuff people using their e-bike to at least keep their phone charged but if you had a usb c port you're able to put out more power than, you know, like you said, keeping your MacBook running and your iPad going. Like there's a lot you can do with USB-C. So there's some serious upsides here. And hopefully we sort of lit a fire under some of these manufacturers and got them at least, you know, with their eyes open to the idea that people want this. Now we'll just have to see if anyone takes us up on it. Yeah. And and so you're talking about uh, 200 watts in the new uh, USB-C power delivery protocol. You could even theoretically hook up like a small inverter like you would see in a, in a car or, or something else and then power like, you know, 110 volt uh, applications as well. So there's just there's just so much innovation that could happen in the e-bike battery space that um, and it, and it will happen. Like we've already seen juiced, um, you know, come out with that little, uh, power adapter thing. Um, um, we've talked to other bike manufacturers. We've said, Hey, is this kind of thing coming? And, you know, they, they're like, yes, you know, stay tuned. We're working on stuff like this. So a lot of innovation coming here. Very exciting. hundred percent. All right. Moving on. Slowly here. <laughs> Spinning. All right. Oh, went too far. Uh, all right. I don't know how to pronounce this, but new European made Ike T may just be the best designed electric scooter in the world. Yeah. So you got very close. It's the Ica. Oh, okay. So uh, the Ica T and Ica apparently means thunder in Estonian. Hmm. And this is 
essentially the only electric scooter that's not made in China, at least on a large scale production. And so uh, this Estonian company, Ica, they uh, developed this new scooter as sort of a uh, offshoot from another company known as uh, Comodule that builds all of the Internet of Things connectivity for a lot of scooter companies. So, um, you know, the scooter sharing companies, like you see all those scooters littering the street corners of your local city. Um, most of those are probably powered, at least the connectivity part, by Comodule. And so these guys started by creating all that technology, but then they saw basically how bad the, uh, you know, sharing scooters were. And they said, we can build something better. So they built this, you know, really high quality European made electric scooter. It only costs like a thousand bucks or so, which I say only, but you know, it's got some really nice components. It's like super waterproof. Um, it's funny. They demonstrated it by riding around in a, in a kiddie pool here. Um, if you guys get a chance, go watch the video in this like um, debut video for uh, for the ICOT. It's it's hilarious. That's actually the CEO there in the bathing suit riding really? around on it. Yeah, that's that's him. Um, and you know, it's built to hold like three hundred and something pounds, uh, three thirty pounds, one hundred fifty kilos. Okay, it's um, got eleven inch wheels. It's got automotive grade tires, so you know, no inner tubes like a typical bicycle or scooter. It's actually got you know air filled tubeless tires, like you would basically have on a car or a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got, you know, full connectivity, which you would imagine it would based on where these guys came from with building all the connectivity for sharing scooters. Mm-hmm. So if someone steals it, you GPS track it. Um, and in fact, this is their second scooter with their first scooter model. The CEO told me that they've got a better than 100% recovery rate. What is that? And that's, so <laughs> when they've gone around and, and recovered scooters that have been stolen, they, you know, call the police and the police come with them and they like crack open some, you know, storage unit somewhere. They usually find other scooters from uh-huh. other companies that have been stolen. So they count those too. And so they've recovered all of theirs plus many other companies' scooters. Wow. All right. Yeah, I, so that's, after watching this video, I, I, I really like their their vibe, especially yeah, the CEOs who's willing to put on the goggles <laughs> and the bathing suit. Yeah, he's he's all in on this. But there's one other thing that you're really going to like, and it relates to the last story we talked about. So this is, in fact, the first electric scooter in the world that has USB-C charging, oh, believe it or not. still my heart. Yeah, so, uh, and it is um, bidirectional. And it oh. also has, you know, like we talked about, the, um, you know, a second port. So you can do 100-watt charging with any, you know, 100-watt laptop charger, but then they'll sell you a, you know, higher power charger if you want to charge it up even quicker. So it takes wow. like six hours or something on a, you know, hundred watt laptop charger, but they'll sell you like a two to four hour charger or something that can, can do it even quicker. Is that USB-C or is that another, you know? No, it's uh they have a second um, connector. I don't know if it's a barrel or what, but it's yeah. a, you know, purpose, purpose made connector for fast charging, which that, in my mind fine. is fine. Yeah, yeah. That, that I totally get. And that's fine. But man, make that USB-C bidirectional standard. Well, good. This is this is uh, we can fully get behind this company. Yeah, way, way to go, Ica. This is yeah. um, like cool people and just like well-designed scooter. So uh, way to go. Awesome to see that. All right, delivering. All right, so the first five thousand dollars Saunders Metacycle electric motorcycle begins shipping this month. Man, this is like the never-ending story for electric motorcycles. Um, apparently, the Metacycle is shipping this month. So if you're not familiar with the Metacycle, it was basically the first 
like hugely hyped, low cost electric motorcycle in the US. Um, you know, good specs, 80 miles an hour, 80 mile range, $5,000, like just kind of checked all the boxes. But it was unveiled in January or February of 2021. So we're a year and a half later, after it was supposed to have shipped in quarter four of 2021. It was then uh, moved up when um, Storm Saunders said that the production was moving ahead of schedule. So it was supposed to ship in quarter three of 2021. It then got pushed back to quarter four after delays, then got pushed to quarter one, then quarter two. Now we're entering quarter three and apparently deliveries are starting. So it's a little bit unclear whether the bikes have actually arrived in the US yet, whether the boat is like docking, whether they're in some distribution center in like the Arizona desert or something. It's it's not quite clear. But from everything we've heard, bikes are starting to go out and customers are going to get that white glove delivery, which apparently was a $700 surcharge on top of the $5,000. But it means that the bike will be fully assembled and just like dropped off hopefully in your driveway, but they have to like work that out with the driver. So uh, we're moving forward at least. And do we know how many uh, units are in this first uh, batch? I think it was a thousand, but I'm not positive. Don't quote me on that. But um, I think it's the first one was a thousand. And it's it's interesting because the batches are actually pretty important because the first batch is, is designed to be everything that they promised basically, because they're kind of legally required. But future batches are going to have uh, sort of not, not necessarily lower quality parts, but they might miss some features. So, for example, the um, ABS braking is on the first batch because that's what they you know said they would deliver. But mm-hmm. all future models are not going to have ABS braking, which mm-hmm. I guess was probably pretty expensive. And they realized they could save some serious money by deleting that. And do I see that this was signed by Storm Saunders? Yes, good eye. So this is the... Um, Signature series, founder series, like Willy Wonka Golden Ticket series. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but right. it comes with Storm's signature on it, which um, I think is like printed on it because they're all like quite identical. So unless mm-hmm. he's got like the, you know, Donald Trump perfect Sharpie signature, right. I think that's printed on. But it's funny because I remember seeing in like forums and stuff, people being like, um, can I get the signature delete option? Yeah, so, you know, uh, you yeah, always no, want something no, like that. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting touch. And, you know, Saunders, the company is kind of like, I don't want to say it's like a personality cult, but like Storm is certainly the, you know, fearless leader of this company. And there's a, you know, it bears his name, right? So like, this is very much a company built around the personality of its founder, Storm. And so yeah. it doesn't surprise me to see a signature on it. And right. this is very much his like, you know, um like pride and joy this project here that that really was the first huge step outside of e-bikes and pushed the company forward. So like I can see why I'd want to have his name all over it, even though yeah. it already literally has his name on it. Yeah. And, and <laughs> like, if you're a consumer, you're thinking, well, if the, the, uh, the owner's going to put his name on it, then he's, you know, he's backing it and it's not going to be a piece of garbage. So that's, that's a good sign, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the motorcycle is kind of, uh, it's kind of gotten more like whenever we do a post on it, there's, there's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of comments. There's a lot of pages just because like, there's so many people interested in it. Um, you know, do we think this is going to be like a new 
like smaller motorcycle class of vehicles this simplicity here is kind of interesting what's what's kind of like the big picture here oh yeah i don't just think so i all but guarantee you that after the metacycle is going to come just like a whole new range of this sort of style and size of lightweight electric bike something in like the you know 125 to 250 cc equivalent of uh, electric motorcycles uh, we've already started to see a few of these you know we reviewed the uh, coulter i think it was the es1 mm-hmm. um, and then super 73 unveiled that uh, i believe it was the c1x which is kind of a similar sized light electric motorcycle oh yeah so there we, are other do we know if they're going to be at uh uh eurobike they were at eurobike? Eurobike. yeah they were there last yeah. year yeah I'm pretty sure they will be. I think last year might have been their first year, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And I know they have a German, um, you know, whole network there. So I'm sure at least their German team will be there. But hopefully they do bring the, uh, I think it's the C1X is the name of that one. Yeah. Because I would certainly love to see that bike in person. Um, but I think that's sort of um, emblematic of this new wave of light electric motorcycles that are going to fill this gap between high power you know, electric mopeds, like, you know, an Onyx or something, which is like kind of quasi street legal and something like a Zero or a Harley that, you know, is an electric motorcycle, but or I should say a Livewire, not a Harley, but is, you know, a flagship $20,000 electric motorcycle. These are the kind of gap fillers. Yeah. What about, uh, I, I remember uh, you had a CSC for a while, a City Slicker. What are they up to in this space? Yeah, definitely. So um, funny you should mention that CSC uh, I don't believe this is secret, so I'm going to say it. Um, sorry, Steve, if it's meant to be secret, but they are bringing in a lightweight electric motorcycle of this class. I think it's going to be about 75 miles an hour. It is not available yet, but from what I can tell, we're probably looking at a few months before it'll be ready for uh, pre-orders. Uh, they don't have the pricing just yet. I imagine it'll fall in a little bit above the Metacycle, but it's going to come from a company that's been a motorcycle dealer for like 30 years or something and has years of experience with electrics as well. So even if it costs a little bit more, you're going to be able to like go to a dealership and test ride it and that sort of thing. So I think they're going to enter this space soon and and have some really interesting offerings as well. And do we know anything about the design? Is it like simplified like this or is it kind of like they're it's stuff? yeah, it's um it's a little more like the super Soko's kind of an urban looking uh, naked motorcycle. It's not okay. nearly as impressive as the Metacycle. You know, this has like a cast aluminum exoskeleton, I guess. Right. It's like a like a monocoque. Um, so CSCs isn't going to be anywhere near as like, you know, art Design. project as the... Right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I, I absolutely think this category is going to just, you know, blow up. Uh, poor choice of words, but... Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, one to downsize a car but not ready for a bicycle here's why you need a seated electric scooter yeah so seated electric scooters talking like vespa style electric scooters this is in my opinion like the best way to sort of split the difference between getting out of a car but not feeling like you're you know pedaling a bike on the side of a 40 mile an hour road with people buzzing your handlebars um for me i commute basically almost daily on a uh, new that's like niu new electric scooter and mine is the uh, ngt extended range so it goes like almost 50 miles an hour it's got uh, about 50 to 60 miles of range per charge you need to charge the batteries there or carry them into my apartment and this is to me like the perfect urban commuter vehicle 
Uh, it's a two seater. So my wife and I ride it everywhere. You know, um, she doesn't like, uh, driving it herself. So she's usually on the back, but for us, it's like, you know, we don't even need a sort of family car because we're just two people. We get around entirely on what's effectively like an electric Vespa style scooter. And so, uh, I shared in this post an interesting video from, uh, Ryan at Fort nine. It's a very popular motorcycling channel. Um, and basically he sort of, yeah, that's the one. So he sort of goes through and explains why car drivers should consider switching to a scooter. Now, he uses gas scooters as the example, because he's kind of like from that old school gas world, but he makes some great points that like, you know, in terms of uh, cargo capacity, you can actually haul, you know, a, a small but decent amount of stuff. You know, you're not going to do like uh, lumber from, uh, from Home Depot, but for most stuff you carry around daily, you can carry on a scooter. You know, he talks about how, you know, these aren't just um, the old fashioned, like, oh, our scooters for women kind of thing. Like he pops a squat on one of these and it's just straight up like these inanimate, inanimate objects don't care what my genitalia looks like. <laughs> so he goes through and he like breaks down all the myths and shows how pretty much almost any urban resident could be pretty well suited by a simple, like low cost scooter. And you would have so many more benefits. You could basically park anywhere you'd cut through traffic, you'd have more fun on your way. The the really the one downside and like I have to admit it in this post is that they're not as weatherable. So right. like in a light rain as long as you keep moving, like your pants aren't really going to get wet cuz the shield just like sort of curves the airstream around you. Oh, when you come to a stop, you're you're going to get wet. Um and you need to wear some type of jacket though you probably should be anyways because you're effectively on a motorcycle so you should have some type of Yeah, that's, know, the, motorcycle that's the other thing. Like uh, safety is a big concern for a lot of people, especially riding on on normal streets. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's a balance here, right? So, like, you know, every time we go outside, we sort of do like a risk analysis of how much risk are we going to take on. And you know, for some people, riding on a two wheeled vehicle, whether it's a scooter, bicycle, motorcycle, whatever, like, is out of the question. So, that's not for you. That's not for you. But there's so much utility in these types of vehicles that if you can see yourself on two wheels, electric scooters are perhaps one of the best options for, for a city resident. And uh, I mean, just like compared to electric motorcycles, which I love, but for in a city, like there's just nothing beats a scooter, especially because of the step through design, which um, I think if you scroll up, you can see how I carry like a bunch of stuff there on my scooter, just like between my feet with that, uh, with that step through design. Like the other day I was carrying some solar panels to uh, my friend's place. And like, I just put them where my feet go on the scooter and just like rode straight over there. So it's just a, uh, you know, it's a huge convenience thing and it's one less car on the road. So not only is it better for you in terms of, you know, getting where you're going faster, spending less money, not spending money on gas, but it's better for everyone because we're taking cars off the road. So if you could see yourself on a two wheeler, a scooter is something that I think people should absolutely look into if you're in like an urban environment. You know, if you live in the suburbs of the boonies, it might not be the right vehicle for you. Yeah. You know, I live in the suburbs and, um, you know, I had that, um, what was it? Gen, Gen, Gen Z? Z. Yeah. I had that for a while. Um, what, what's kind of nice about just two wheelers in general is, you know, my, I think my wife and I were both going to the grocery store at the same time and she took the car and I took a scooter. And she obviously beat me there because, you know, it's a little bit faster, but, you know, I got out of the driveway first. She caught up to me on the road, 
But by the time she had to park, you know, I, I drive the scooter right up to the door pretty much and just park it right near the door. By the time she parked and walked to the the store, I was actually ahead of her, you know, getting into the store. And I was like, this is the point. Like, you know, you're not going quite as fast on the road, but um, the getting on it and getting off of it and, you know, getting to your actually actual location, like be selfish. This is a better vehicle. You don't have to walk as far. Like you can actually get less exercise <laughs> because you don't have to <laughs> walk through a parking lot. And, uh, you know, that's a motivating factor for you. Uh, you know, this scooters are, are fantastic, even in the suburbs, but particularly in the cities. So, um, yeah, we'd love to see more people jump on these things and obviously, uh, energy usage, they don't even come close to, uh, what a car takes. Yeah. That's interesting. Your, your suburban experience, because, you know, I mostly live in cities and so it's, it's cool to hear that. I mean, I know like when, when my wife and I will take alternate forms, if she's driven and I've taken my scooter. I mean, I'll be waiting at the destination like 10 minutes for her to arrive. Right, so, right. Cities, it's a huge difference. But it's interesting to hear even in suburbs, like you get some real advantages. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like uh, maybe our suburb isn't quite like every other suburb because I don't think there's a road that actually has an over 35 mile per hour speed limit, um, which is great for high speed e-bikes. And, you know, when I can go 30 miles per hour, people don't really try to pass me. So that's kind of like the the sweet spot here. Um, but I know like in other suburbs, there's 45 mile per hour, 55 mile per hour uh, roads that probably aren't, you know, a good fit for slow, you know, lower powered. Although your new probably goes what 70, 80. Um, it only goes uh, about 50 miles an hour. Oh, really? 70 or 80 kilometers an hour. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, then it's kind of like what, what we've used and it's pretty cool. All right. Uh, we have one more story. If anybody has any comments, please put them in there. We see a couple already. Um, Moke America's street legal open top mini electric cars want to trade high speed for high fun. So these are, I know they look like, you know, sort of little cars, but the important thing to note here is that these are technically not cars, at least in a legal sense. They're what's known as a low speed vehicle. So um, a lot of people will sort of colloquially will call these neighborhood electric vehicles, but an LSV is the federal class. What that means is that they can go 25 miles an hour and uh, are allowed to ride on or ride drive on roads up to 35 mile an hour posted. And yet they don't have to have all of the same like safety regulations as a full car, which allows them to be much simpler, lighter, less expensive, etc. So in this case, Moke America is using the classic Moke design, which I think came from like a British development history and then has been redone a number of times. I think you actually wrote an original Moke or something like that, right? So- yeah. Uh, so when I worked in Hong Kong, there was uh, back then Macau was like on the other side of the river. We would take like a hydrofoil, which also really cool, over to Macau and uh because we weren't like uh, we didn't have like the right kind of driver's license to get a proper rental car, we would rent these things. And actually, after the first time we did it, it was this was like way better means of travel. But all over Macau, you could drive these things, and uh, you know they were fantastic. Because uh, Macau is like a right-hand side driving, so you you would be on the you know I would be shifting with my left left hand, 
that was a little bit hard to get used to, but uh, <laughs> super fun vehicles. And like, I just don't understand why, like, you know, obviously they're not super safe, but like, I don't understand why these things aren't everywhere, especially the electric versions that cost not that much money. Yeah. Well, I can perhaps tell you why they're not everywhere. Okay. I think it has to do with the price. So I, I hope you're sitting down for this because okay. the number is about $22,000. Yeah. That's a little so pricey. it's uh, a bit, you know, cost prohibitive for most people, I would say. I think anyone who's buying this, it's kind of a, you know, luxury side thing, the way you buy like, you know, a motorcycle just for Sunday cruises and not as your main vehicle to get around. But if these were more affordable, I could see them actually as real car replacements, you know, like we were talking about, especially for in the city, 25 miles an hour is not really going to be that useful if you're again out in the boonies and for some suburbs even that have like, you know, 40 mile an hour roads where everyone does 50, then it's it's not going to be that effective. And in fact, technically, these aren't even legal on 40 mile an hour roads because they're they can only go on roads posted up to 35 miles an hour. But if yeah. you're in the city where like, you know, traffic often doesn't go faster than 25, this could be a really cool type of vehicle if it was more affordable. I mean, uh, here's an interesting question for you, Seth. If you were still in New York City and you were considering one of these, at what price do you think you could see getting one of these? Yeah, I mean, it would be the uh, about the specs and the charging probably would be important. Also, New York City parking one of these would be, I, I don't know if I would get one in New York City, but if I lived in like you know, Hermosa beach in California where I could just go to the store and, and, or like in Florida, for instance, like a beach, beach buggy kind of thing. I would love one of these things. Yeah. I mean, this is like sort of effectively a golf cart style vehicle. And so you see a lot of like beach communities where people ride around in golf carts, except that you get like, you know, seat belts, mirrors, higher speed. I think most golf carts go to like 20 um, and you're actually allowed to drive it on the road. I know a lot of places sort of look the other way for golf carts, but technically, um, you know, due to, to federal laws, golf carts are not legal on public roads. And so, like, you know, when you pull out of your driveway onto your neighborhood street, technically that's a not street legal vehicle in a golf cart. So this allows you to to actually, you know, drive around. And if you were stopped by a cop, it's like, here's my license registration. Everything's kosher here, officer. Um, one thing I had a question about, I, I remember doing some research on Moke, uh, before there's like some ambiguity with the Moke nameplate. Cause it, it's kind of been tossed around a little bit. Um, who actually owns, you know, I think we were at a, uh, auto show one time and there were like actually two Moke, uh, companies selling Mokes, but they were two separate entities. What's, what's like the latest on that? Yeah, I think that was the Paris Motor Show where they, um, you're, you're absolutely right. They're, they're like competing mokes out there. I, and I'm not sure how this company ties into it. I think this is the American arm of a larger international moke conglomerate because they also sell, like this specific company sells internationally. And so I think multiple companies have licensed the moke name. And I imagine the dispute comes down to some of them believing that they've exclusively licensed it. Mm. But the sheer number of mokes out there makes me think that there's some ambiguity right. in those licensing terms. Right. And then also I think Moke got sued by Jeep uh, at some point in its history uh, because of the, uh, the front grill and the kind of just, it look, kind of looks like a Jeep that was, if like the Jeep and a golf cart 
had a uh, an affair, <laughs> this would be this would be the offspring, the love child of the, the, the chief on the golf course, right? Uh, yeah, it's just an interesting background, and you know, since I I rode one probably every couple of weeks for almost a year, um, we kind of fell in love with these things because they were so much fun. Um, yeah, I I just maybe maybe the uh, scale will bring the prices down, or maybe there'll be some you know, some lower prices on these. Uh, has the company offered up any review units? Like, should we, should we be expecting one of those in our uh, FedEx uh, deliveries? <laughs> Not yet, but they are located in Sarasota, I believe. So oh. I might need to bounce over there or next time you're in town. Yeah. Bounce over there. We'll meet in we Sarasota. Steal one for a, a few days. Yeah. Yeah, that would be actually super perfect for Florida, especially with the uh, the rain cover and the uh, yeah. Yeah, bring the family. It's a four seater, right? Exactly. That's the thing. It's a it's a vehicle that can take four people around. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. All right. Let's move on. I think that's uh, it for the stories. Um, let's kind of dive into some comments. Uh, we got some uh, cheerleading from the Facebook users. Uh, Thad Oviet says, next is needed public charging stations for e-bikes. Thankfully, Parkent is working to fill that need. I think this might be a, a advertisement. Uh, we'll have to look into that. Thanks, Thad. Uh, I can't remember. So I believe when. this was in reference to the Amazon uh, delivery vehicles. That they okay. Came in then. Okay. So, uh, that's a great point. Uh, Amazon vehicles wouldn't work great in snow. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, fortunately, like cities often plow pretty quickly after snows. So uh, that wouldn't be too bad of a situation. It's and also then, a four wheeler. So, like, right. I mean, it's not going to, you know, flip over like a bike. It's just going to spin. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, with USB C, this is a. Amazing point. If with USB-C, can I carry a power brick as a range extender? I yeah, think so. What's stopping yeah. you? Exactly. In fact, you might be able to keep it topped up while you're biking. And that's one of the great things about USB-C. There's just really no end of the uh, peripherals you can bring along. I mean, you could even like quickly add a light or a fan or, you know, any of the other like USB powered things that you might need on a bike. Uh, so I just thought of an interesting issue though. So mm-hmm. let's say that your power brick is a USB-C bi-directional and your e-bike is two and you plug them together. Yeah. You might be like powering your power book. <laughs> or, or you might be charging up your power brick while you're, you might lose power <laughs> yeah. on your bike. Yeah. Something to look into. I've never actually understood why, like when they do that handshake, when you plug like your phone into the USB port of your, like when you have an Android phone that's USB-C and you have a MacBook that's USB-C and you plug them in together and the, the phone starts charging, why is the phone charging from, like why doesn't the MacBook charge from the phone? Like how does it decide? Eh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Magic. Yeah, it's magic. All right. Uh, and then we have uh, one last comment. Safety and price are the reason. I think that could almost apply to it. Like three quarters of the post today, but either let's see. I think that was the Moke. Yeah, the Moke. So yeah, safety uh, that probably doesn't have a really good crash rating. 
And the price, like I have to say, they have to bring that down a little bit. Like uh, it seems a little bit outrageous to charge. Like you know, you could get like a Nissan Leaf for that price. Uh, yeah, I don't know that people are going to buy them for that price. But you know, who knows? Like there's there's a, like otherworldly golf carts out there. Um, and that would actually make a pretty fun golf cart if if that's a thing. All right, all the, that's all the questions. Awesome. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And while we normally are back every two weeks, we're going to have a special episode this Wednesday on the 13th where Seth and I will be at Eurobike, the uh, largest e-bike, I guess all bicycles, but now it's mostly e-bike trade show in Europe. So we'll be back in four days for a special episode of the wheelie podcast and then we'll be back to our normal two week uh normal schedule so we will see you guys then